Section 22 of The Mystery of the Ocean Star. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mystery of the Ocean Star by W. Clark Russell. Section 22 A Luminous Sailor. A wild old crimp story still lingers in the memory of nautical men, but there is an odd sequel to it known to a few only. Elderly seamen would date the occurrence 1853, one year before the introduction of the Merchant Shipping Act, but there is little doubt that it belongs to an earlier time than that. The Yankees fastened the tale upon the English. The English, it is needless to say, strenuously declined the compliment. For my part, having regard to the character of the American crimp, I have not the least imaginable doubt that the rightful birthplace of the story is New York. An old-fashioned wooden ship, with a big, gloomy, top-gallant forecastle, as that sort of structure is called, corresponding with an elevation aft named the poop, was lying alongside a New York wharf, the people aboard in the act of casting the fasts adrift that she might start on a voyage to Liverpool. The scene was a lively one, drunken sailors bawling, the mate shouting, loafers on the wharf calling to the crew as they lurched drunkenly into the ship. A little procession was noticed coming along. It consisted of a number of men bearing three sailors, who were hopelessly and entirely dead drunk. The spectacle was a disgusting one, but it was something manifestly familiar to the onlookers, whose careless glances and half-grins illustrated the indifference that is bred of custom. One of these drunken men's faces the crimps had been considerate enough to conceal with a shawl or handkerchief. The other two were exposed, and one might have imagined from their aspect that they had died of some pestilence that permitted no time for the construction of a coffin, and that they were about to be plunged, habited as they were, into a pit on top of others who had similarly perished. These three men, however, were a portion of the crew of the ship. They were only a little more drunk than the rest who had reeled on board, and certainly not more useless. The captain on the quarter-deck eyed the procession grimly and askant, as it wended its way from the gangway to the forecastle and disappeared past the shadow of the windlass. Possibly he was too accustomed to such sights as this to trouble himself with any sort of moralising on Jack and his habits. His ship wanted men, and so long as his forecastle was duly filled, he had no need to concern himself on the method adopted for furnishing it. In the old days of the press-gang, it was all the same to the captain of a man-of-war whether the fellows who were brought aboard arrived drunk or sober. A few hours would clear the atmosphere of the tween-decks, and there was the discipline of the rattan and the cat and the grating to round off all that needed doing. So the eye of our Yankee skipper would instinctively glance from his forecastle, into which his crew were drunkenly rolling, or being carried, to the nearest iron belaying pin, or to the figure of the giant chief mate roaring to a lumper below with the notes of a gale of wind. Some of the fellows whom the crimp had brought along with him might not have shaken all the hayseed out of their hair yet, but there were combs enough abroad for the clearance and smoothing of even rougher tresses than theirs in the shape of revolvers, crows, handspikes and the like, 
and our yankee master mariner therefore could find much even in a few moments of reflection to console him for the sight of his drugged and drunken ship's company hiccuping and blaspheming and disappearing in the gloom forward under the overhanging break of the dark cavernous sea parlour in the bows some of these noble and lively hearties fell down on entering the forecastle and snored away their distemper of boarding-house whisky on their backs upon the planks others rolled into their bunks where they instantly fell asleep the dismal procession deposited its hideous pitiful burden a touching illustration of jack's notions of enjoying himself ashore two of the insensible men were flung into bunks and left to lie in the first posture their drug-paralyzed limbs took up in the bestowal of the third some little care was taken a bunk was found for him right in the eyes of the vessel that is to say in the foremost bedplace in the forecastle where the gloom was scarcely touched by the light falling through the scuttle and fathoms out of the reach of the penetrating powers of the smoky flame of the melancholy little slush lamp with undertaker-like caution the crimp and his assistants laid this drunken seaman down smoothing his legs along adjusting his arms to an easy attitude of slumber turning his face to the ship's side and snugging him with a blanket till nothing was to be seen of him but his yellow hair they then quietly withdrew and shortly afterwards the ship worked by such few hands as were equal to laying aloft and pulling and hauling got under way and proceeded on her voyage the drunken men were left undisturbed during the afternoon as one by one they recovered from their stupor they mounted on deck trembling sodden horribly miserable their heads wrapped with the anguish of the poison of that last bottle they had been tempted to drain but yankee skippers and giant mates are people of sensibilities not to be very readily moved by the trembling legs and aching brows of seamen newly recovered from a debauch as the men appeared they were promptly turned to to the tune of many choice sea blessings showered upon their eyes and other parts the three sailors however who had formed a detail of the procession remained insensible in their bunks the drug they were under the spell of rendered them insensible to the thunder of the giant mate's summons to come forth and steer and climb the masts and fulfil the many various duties of the mariner there was nothing for it but to let them lie but at midnight one of them awoke and turned out in a dazed sleep-walking way and went on deck where he was shortly afterwards knocked down by the second mate for failing to catch some order that had been hastily given to him then a little later on there followed a tragedy the watch below was startled by a piercing scream a wild and terrible cry that the day of judgment had arrived that the forecastle was full of rats who would eat them all up so that when the trumpet sounded no man would be able to appear save in the form of a rat which would result in his utter perdition shrieking which the second of the three insensible men shot from his bunk fled on deck and jumped overboard it was not known that he had done this until search had been made for him and the captain fearing the loss of another man from a similar cause gave orders that the third fellow lying still motionless in his bunk right forward should be left undisturbed that nature might bring him to in her own way it was at eight bells in the first watch the next night that the men going below to turn in smelt an evil smell a grim old salt sniffing around 
explained that some of the rats which the fellow had yelled out about on the previous night must have died of fright at his cry and gone bad pooh what was it all hands fell to sniff snuffling was there anything wrong with the cargo in the forehold here's the cause of it mates suddenly exclaimed one of the sailors going to the bunk in which the third man lay insensible and plucking the fellow's arm from under the blanket he lifted and let it fall when it swung up and down like a pump handle dead he cried or my eyes ain't mates the rest of them come pushing together to look to enable them to see one of them struck a lucifer match and held the flame close to the dead man's face whereupon a thin vein of greenish fire spouted out of the lips of the corpse and in a breath the whole of his face was a crawl with lambent spirituous flames instantly the fellow who held the match let it fall with a cry the sight of the burning body amid the gloom lying heavy in that part of the forecastle was inexpressibly terrible for a minute the seamen looked on and then fled uttering cries of horror the uproar attracted the attention of the mate who came forward hallowing to know what the noise was about he was told that there was the dead body of a sailor burning in the forecastle burning he exclaimed scornfully and entered the place followed by two or three of the men but on catching sight of the figure luminous with the flames whose lustre exhibited the pinched and gaping features of the corpse just as one might witness objects floating on the surface of burning brandy he came to a stand giant as he was with a groan of horror the delicate creeping of the faint blue flames made the dreadful face seem to be grinning at the ship's side at which it stared with a struggle of the drawn lips to gibber out a fancy that should correspond with the look in that horrible countenance the mate rallied this must be cleared out cried he lend us a hand here they smothered the body in a blanket carried it on deck and hove it overboard in due course the ship arrived at liverpool the impression that had been created by this tragic incident upon the sailors had long before faded off their reckless easy-going minds it was then the practice of american vessels to bore their crews out whilst lying at liverpool and the men of this particular ship in talking of the voyage with the strangers they met mentioned the affair of the sailor catching fire and slowly burning up out of the spirituous leakage of his pores in this way the story got abroad but in those days there were much darker wonders than this happening on board ship and the hideous incident apparently gained but little attention the vessel having discharged her cargo loaded for a south american port shortly before she sailed three of the old crew deserted and their place was supplied by new men one of these fellows on hearing the story of the burning sailor declared that had he known such a thing had happened aboard the vessel he would never have shipped in her he told several stories of haunted ships and exhibited so much uneasiness when below in the forecastle at night that his fears begot a like alarm amongst the others in spite of the early impression having been almost effaced one night this fellow who was at the wheel called to the second mate who had returned to the quarter-deck from forward and said that he had seen a figure of a man shining like phosphorescent water come up out of the companion hatch and walk overboard the second mate a lean and yellow yankee 
hove a curse at him for carrying more eyes in his head than he had need of but the man's earnestness nevertheless had produced an effect and the officer presently looked down the skylight then entered the cabin then returned and hung about the wheel with a certain uneasiness in his manner however the sailor reported the spectre to his mate when he got forward he described the apparition very graphically represented it as a yellow-haired man in a check shirt and dungaree trousers his breast bare and on fire his features thin a yellow goatee on his chin and his lean and ghastly countenance grinning and writhing as it were to the creeping of the pale blue flames the sailors recognized the likeness at once their uneasiness was deepened they hung about in couples during the night watches and it came to their always going aloft in twos for such light work i mean as loosing a royal or top-gallant sail this went on till the ship was in the tropics by which time the superstitious sailor had ended in persuading most of the men that the vessel was haunted by the luminous ghost of the burning body they had hove overboard one night was very quiet and dark a mere fanning of air blowing over the taffrail the stars few and making no light and the ocean spreading into the blackness of the horizon dark and ungleaming as polished ebony it was seven bells half past eleven in the first watch the second mate was in charge of the deck and was stumping the planks by the gangway whilst the captain who had come up for the call of the night half an hour before stood near the binnacle smoking a cigar all on a sudden a most unearthly shriek sounded forward the men who were nodding about the deck sprang to their feet the cry was repeated a wild most ear-piercing note of torment and terror and a moment after there was a rush of figures out of the forecastle the whole of the watch below in fact who streamed out like a troop of lunatics suddenly enlarged what was it some of them gasped out that the crimp's dead man was sitting all on fire in his bunk in the bows it was he that had uttered the horrible cry and at sight of the soul-subduing apparition the stoutest had bundled out of their beds and bolted the captain called to the second mate to accompany him forward to view the spectre but ere the couple had progressed a dozen paces the figure of a man naked to the waist his breast arms and face shining like a corposant rose out of the hatch in the forecastle deck and walking or rather floating as it seemed to the fore rigging mounted the shrouds the sight was stupefying captain and second mate came to a halt as though blasted by a stroke of lightning and there they stood with the rest of the ship's company staring with open mouths and glistening brows amidst a deep silence at the luminous figure that rose from rattling to rattling as though it soared presently climbing over the futtock shrouds where as the spectral thing lay backwards to the angle of the irons it showed against the blackness a most clearly limbed configuration of the upper half of a human shape as though drawn with a brush dipped in phosphorus it gained the top as the platform at the head of the lower mast is called and disappeared that this was the ghost of the crimp's dead seaman no living man aboard that ship from the captain down to the youngest boy could for an instant doubt the master and mates shared the terrors of the men the seamen refused to occupy the forecastle 
and the watch off duty was allowed to lie in the state cabin at night the sailors were almost too frightened to do the necessary ship's work and from the date of the apparition the master regularly kept the vessel under small canvas after sundown to lighten the obligation of going aloft during the darkness on their arrival at rio the whole of the crew deserted and both mates followed in their tail swearing that nothing should ever prevail upon them to sail in company with the devil whether the captain managed to obtain a fresh crew i do not know it was long before the true story of the apparition of the burning sailor was made known and then it was delivered as a hospital yarn by a sailor lying sick and dying of consumption he said that he was one of the three fresh hands that had been shipped to liverpool he had heard all about the crimp's dead sailor before he had joined the vessel and made up his mind to play a wild practical joke he provided himself with a quantity of phosphorus and grasping the double opportunity of the warm weather and of his mates snoring in their bunks he stripped to the waist coated his chest and face and arms with the luminous stuff and seating himself in the bunk that had been occupied by the dead man he uttered the terrifying howl which had been heard on the quarter-deck satisfied by the state of mind to which he had reduced his mates by his previous talk that in no way could he better summon the sleepers to awaken to the spectacle he had prepared for them he had reckoned upon their flight and having emptied the forecastle he mounted through the scuttle and ascended the rigging to the top where he had placed his shirt and cap by dressing himself he concealed his glittering skin and then very swiftly he descended to the deck hand over hand by the fore topsail sheets or some such gear before the mast there whence he sneaked unobserved into the port forechains where he lingered till he had cleansed himself of his fiery appearance the general consternation had been so great that no one noticed his absence whilst all eyes being directed aloft his passage across the deck to the channels had been unobserved but long before this confession was made it had been discovered that the fellow whom the crimp at new york had smuggled aboard as a drunken man was dead when he was brought to the ship that the crimp knew he was dead and that his object in conveying the corpse to the vessel was to obtain the sailor's advance money end of section twenty two